We're live. And we're off. And we're off. I'm still, honestly, I'm kind of rattled right now. You you just called me Bob Hope a few minutes ago. That was like an hour ago. It was, but I'm still rattled because it was actually so accurate that it kind of hurt. It was one of those, like, the truth hurts for my viewer audience. Hat's backward right now, but it. he said it looks like a Bob Hope hat. And at first I was like, what? And you, you kind of nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I was like, that's a dorky hat. <clears throat> and you were like, no, it's not. And I'm like, that's, that's like a hat like Bob Hope would wear. Yeah, it's a golfer hat with like the golfer slash sailor hat with the rope on the bill. But <sighs> you, it's Do you remember accurate. Christian Leitner? Yeah. Like that's Duke? a Christian. Yeah. I loved Christian Leitner, but that's a Christian Leitner hat. Very interesting. He was, it was preppy. You know, remember, it is a preppy Because remember, he would always be like wearing like the like. Sweater just over his shoulders with like yes. the, the arms like dangling down. That's right. So I'm trying to find a vibe in between there. He was the ultimate. Do you know that I was a huge Duke fan with the Christian Leitner area? Like Duke had that um, Christian Leitner, uh, Bobby Hurley. Yeah, he Sacramento was my King. He used to live in my hometown. Uh, he was my favorite college yeah. player like ever. Mm-hmm. And then later Poor on, guy. the guy Grant Hill, who was oh, yeah. amazing. That's right. And remember, he? do you remember the sports centers? Where he'd be playing the piano in the sports center lounge. That was, Ooh, Grant Hill? Yeah, that was like no. one of their ads. No. Because they, they used to have those great ads the, yeah, where they'd have yeah. pro athletes, like they'd be walking in their lobby. And one of them was Grant Hill was just sitting there playing like the piano in the lounge. One of my favorite ones was always, I think it was Sports Center. I forget who did it, the, the commercials where players would show up in the office and would like boo someone at their desk. Oh, yeah. Kind of like yeah. reliving and the life of an athlete that gets booed for their performance. Right. And all of a sudden you had like Ray Lewis walk in the <laughs> office know. and like booing you. Cause you like faxed the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty was, awesome. They had, whoever wrote those, they had some great writers. Yeah. Those are great ads. Yeah. They're good. Uh, let's try something new. Okay. I feel like you mentioned this and I think we just got the gates with it. I think you have a few shout outs. We do. Give. We have a few shout outs. So, uh, so I was at the gym last week and by the time this comes out, getting swole, um, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be two weeks away. But, uh, I had like four parishioners at choose fit. Yeah. Just come up and talk to me. Now some priests, they don't like that. I love it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's one thing. So if, it makes you so normal though. Well, it's one thing if I'm, you know, bench pressing 400 and I'm about to choke and you start talking to Correct. me. Correct. But people, generally, I love bumping into parishioners. It totally made my day. So um, big shout out to Alexandra. She was so sweet. And she had her mask on. And so it's just kind of hard to tell. But she, was, she like, recognized me. And I had our Gregorian Rant t-shirt on. That's right. Shout which, out to uh, that shirt. Of uh, Actually, we should give a, a shout out. You should. Uh, to that couple. I've got to remember their names. <laughs> it's the Burgesses. Tom and Annie Burg- Burgess. They're great. They made the shirt. Uh, only one in existence. Patrick doesn't get one. Nope. Uh, but I was wearing that, and she kind of stared at me. And she re- and when you're a priest, you know, you people know who you are. And I'm, you know, I'm a pretty good looking priest. That's right. So sometimes people stare at me yep. who don't know I'm a priest. That's right. But anyway, <laughs> but she was super sweet. I'm gonna leave that there. I know that was bad. But she anyway. Shout out, uh, Alexandra was so kind and just so nice. She was just like, we love the podcast. She's like, my family and friends all listen to it, and. Um, so thanks for checking us out, Alexandra, and uh, growing in your faith, hopefully. That's right. Then the other one, uh, Mackenzie, was there. She's an RCIA. I went and talked to her, and like, she's loving RCIA. She's excited to become Catholic. Uh, and so her and her boyfriend, Zach, uh, come to RCIA on Wednesday nights. And so uh, big shout-out to them. Big uh, shout-out to them. I, I still haven't really got to meet them all that much, and I see them. They look just so awesome. And I want to get to know their story. Uh, so Mackenzie, no pressure when you do. And Zach, I need to meet you guys. And then wait, one more Kayla. Kayla's a parishioner at Lords. She was at the gym and I went and talked to her. She was on like the stair climber or something, but she doesn't listen to the podcast. That's right. Holding out, holding out. She was holding out to this playing, one. Now the she's, pressure's on. She's playing tough to get. <laughs> That's right. That's she's right. like, FB, you got it. You got to name me. Yeah. Clinch she, me. She didn't say that, but anyway, Kayla, if you're listening, we do love you. We do. Uh, I've got one shout out. Yeah. And this one, good old John Dahlstrand. That is my wife's uh, uncle. 
And John, I just want to thank you so much. You are probably from day one, like most loyal listener. And every time I do a podcast, I always say, hey man, you you referenced this book or like whatever. And it just means so much. Yeah. You know, like when you do this, you really like to your point, exactly what you're saying on these shout outs, like we put ourselves out there. We never know how it's going to be received. Mm-hmm. So to hear uh, the feedback is, yep. it just means so much. It's really encouraging. Yeah. And, and we've gotten some great things. I think one of the things that I feel like is, and actually, I mean, we talked about this when we started the podcast. So for me, like when I give a homily, I work really hard on my homilies. Yep. But part of the challenge of a homily is the time constraint. Yeah. And so my homilies, everyone jokes, blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> Father Brian's homilies go on forever. No, they don't. They're 20 minutes. Okay, back off. But... Uh, 20 minutes is actually like, it goes fast, man. Yeah, it does. It goes fast. And there's, but there's something nice about the dialogue where it's just a a nice conversation among friends, you know, and we can do more, I feel like in an hour podcast. And it's kind of nice because it's a dialogue. It's not just like. Correct. On the flip side, as a parishioner Mm -hmm. at a homily, it's tough because there's so many times I want to like raise my hand or like agree with you or be like, wait, clarify that. Like. You can't. You kind of are. Or be like, FB, that was total BS. Yeah. Well, I tell you that afterwards. Yeah. I get the privilege, man. We'll tell you that you afterwards. Do tell me that but, afterwards. Yeah. but. So do uh, a few. Actually, not too many people do that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely rare. But um, it, it is nice, people. And, and that's what's so good about when people email in or whatever to get the clarifying questions or things that are on their mind, which I think makes it a little bit more of a different dynamic than yeah. just homily and or, you know, the other kind of alternative would be a closed door meeting get on your calendar come in ask your questions one-on-one so so i'm gonna start i'm 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 compelled so yesterday i felt like a priest it was so great so uh yesterday i went and met with keenan and we went and grabbed a beer nice at platt park and before the pandemic hit i was like i need to be doing this and this reinvigorated that conviction yesterday totally so keenan and i went and just had a beer and talked for like an hour or so and I thought, I need to do that once a week where I'm like, I'm going to be at Platt Park Brewery. Anybody who wants to just come hang out or just, you know, chit-chat for a little bit, just come hang out. Come have a beer with me. I'll be there between, you know, like four and six on Thursday. Open door office hours. Yeah. I'm going to start. I think I'm really going to start doing that this summer. Can we find, I, I would love to attend when open. Uh, can we not go to a brewery? Yeah. They have wine. Oh. They, they have in. wine. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Count me in. Yeah, winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's right. I yeah. am not a beer guy. So. But it was great. So I had that. And then also then last night, uh, Mary had two marriage prep appointments. And it was so great because Keenan and I had a great conversation. And then uh, the, there's a couple of different couples came in. And one of them was waiting uh, for the other ones to get done. And this is a um, – oh, I'm going to forget their names. Uh, Tag is his name. And I think it's uh, – Joel or Joellen, really nice couple. She's been to Lords a lot. He's not Catholic, and he's reading a book from a scripture scholar who's really kind of gone rogue in his. He's not doing very honest work, but anyway, it's hard to know that if you don't if you don't live in the scripture right. world. <clears throat> and uh, he was such a great guy, and we had a glass of wine together, the three of us, and we talked a little bit about it. I recommended a book for him. And they're just, I was like, man, this is a great couple. And I just, oh, awesome. it was just like, it was so the way I want to live my life as a priest of just, I don't want to be overly formal. Like, it was just great to sit down together and be like, oh, you guys are engaged. That's, that's awesome. And somehow he's like, gosh, I'm reading this book. And he's like, I'm trying to figure out religion. And I was like, oh, you don't want to read him. It's a guy named uh, Reza Aslan. And he is, he just has an agenda. Right. Like there's, there's, there's people in the scripture world who I really disagree with. But who are playing by the rules. Right. They're, they're trying their best to make sense of what we know about Jesus, what we know about the first century in Israel and in the ancient world, in the ancient Near East. And then there's those out there that just, they're just kind of manipulating evidence to make it say what they want it to say. Totally. And, and I don't want to be too strong about it, but Aslan is dangerously flirting with that. So That's, that's scary, especially to your point. Like, how do you know? Like, if I'm you not can't. you, how do you know? Yeah, or like, or your world, you know? Yeah. I'm like, if I say, hey, commercial real estate, like, you know, are you expecting the Denver market, like $3 a square foot, you know? 
They'd be, I'd be like, I'd be like, what the heck is a square foot? Yeah, <laughs> like no question. I don't, I don't even know how that works. Yeah, that is funny. Uh, yeah, I heard a, an argument the other day. This is so random, but it was kind of it was interesting because it was between two very um, successful in their own right, but also aggressive males. Yeah, and um, it was it was super interesting because one of which is very successful in a different field, and the other one is in finance. And one guy was like, cut off the other guy. It was His approach was actually really interesting, and I was just listening. And I was kind of like taking notes. I was like, he handled that really well. But I also was like, he kind of hit him with like, I've been doing this for 45 years. And from there, I was like, no matter what you say, you now like demonstrated authority. And, and I was starting to kind of think like, have you been in it long enough to where you – truly know what you're saying right now or have you been in long enough to put together some gibberish that no one can really understand that sounds super correct and get to your ultimate end game kind of like an author that's scripture yeah. so i can kind of like manipulate that um and it was so interesting kind of just hearing this play out and the other guy was like all right makes sense and i was like whoa like what just happened and i was like nobody 99 percent of the world can't push back like yeah. it was such a high level that if you're just listening you're like dude i'm bought in okay great yep it was it was pretty impressive, but I could see how, if, especially if you're trying to like dive into scripture, it's a daunting task. It is, and <clears throat> we don't need to go too far down this road. But you know, Reza Aslan, he's a guy he's on CNN a lot, and he's he's one of those scholars of religion that gets a lot of media attention, yeah. and the media likes him because he says controversial things, right? And that you know that gets clicks on the TV and the internet, and so they like that. And you know, he's a smart guy. I'm not I'm not trying to say he's not. The problem, the problem is, is that he's he's using a lens to look at the evidence we have about the life of Jesus, uh, that's really problematic, and so he's he's he looks at everything through the lens, and particularly in this one book, he looks at Jesus through the lens of Jesus as a revolutionary. And there's a great um, I was thinking about this. Uh, Pope Benedict has a, a great quote where he talks about some of these modern scholars, and. What they when they talk about who Jesus was, and almost universally, they're intelligent people who have worked very hard in their studies, right. so they know what they're talking about for sure. The problem is, is you run into these reconstructions of Jesus where they say, you know what, we're going to reimagine who Jesus was, and Aslan's one of these guys. And <clears throat> the problem here, and this, this has been attempted by a lot of guys, a, a very famous one would be a guy named John Dominic Crossan, who's an ex-priest, sadly. Ooh. Um, but very, very intelligent. But anyway, what these guys do is they want to say, you know, what, what the early church says about who Jesus was and what the gospels tell us probably isn't that accurate. There's probably, we, we can dig underneath. And the problem is, is you end up someone 2000 years later reconstructing something that they have almost nothing to go by except what the gospels say. Right. And so at the end of the day, you, Pope Benedict has this great line where he says, at the end of the day, if you want to know Jesus, they're, they're simply outside of a mystical prayer experience and that relationship you can have with him. But outside of that, if you're, if you're approaching Jesus academically, you have the Gospels. And if you don't, and if you do not trust them, there's nothing else we have. I mean, we, we have certain small things. We have Josephus talking about Jesus a little bit, but very sparingly in his writings. Um, either the Gospels tell us who Jesus really was or they don't. And if they don't, it's very hard to, to 2,000 years later to have someone taking small pieces of evidence and trying to reconstruct a new picture of Jesus that's different from what the Gospels and the early church tell us about him. But didn't think we were going to talk about that. I know. It, <laughs> it kind of makes me want to dive into the, the topic of Ryan Anderson getting pulled. Yeah, we should mention that. From... Uh, Amazon. Yep. And you know, I mean, cause like to your point, like, okay, they're on CNN and, and you kind of, one, I think people say controversial things, but two, it also fits that program's agenda. And I think Ben Shapiro's done a great job of pointing out how, and kind of the whole Daily Wire crew of consistently pointing out, everyone talks about how conservatives are ruling everything, this and that one really like, especially when it comes to media, it's very, very liberal. And so, wait. Do people think? Are there people who argue that conservatives run things? 
I Did mean, you say that? Yeah. Okay. I would say so. I mean, I feel like that's where, like, when Shapiro goes in and, and starts talking about, like, pointing into Hollywood and a lot of things that are society in general. Right. Very much have a liberal <laughs> agenda and are controlled by the left. Yeah, it seems like, to me, I, I, I mean, it seems like the left controls pretty much everything. Totally. But I feel like when you're caught up in it, in the left, like, you don't really see that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see one little thing that, I mean, you, you could kind of see it with, like, the Rush Limbaugh thing. Rush Limbaugh passes away. Right. And the media, the mainstream, just annihilates this poor guy. And it, it was really unfortunate to watch. But I think when you're right. when you're looking at things like these authors who make extreme headways, but it fits their overall agenda and what they're trying right. to it's controversial, but it's something they can run with and then get to their means. Well, so <clears throat> yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree. You know, Rush Limbaugh, I'm not sure how I feel about him, honestly. Um, I don't know enough. Yeah. You know, he's, he, I think there are some pretty valid critiques of him out there, but you know, he's, I just don't know. I don't have too strong an opinion on that. Um, Ryan Anderson though, if, if, if our people out there, if you don't know who Ryan Anderson is, you should. So Ryan Anderson, uh, he is a devout Catholic. Um, but more importantly, I think, well, there's nothing more important than that, but Maybe for this conversation. So Ryan Anderson is a very well-educated, uh, just kind of young man. I mean, he's probably in his mid-30s or so. I don't know if he's 40. I doubt he's 40 yet, but he might be. He works at the Heritage Foundation, and so he is, which is a conservative think tank. He wrote, and I think what's really important in terms of our national kind of conversation and our culture right now, is that Ryan Anderson is a conservative who is super intelligent and who is super articulate, and most importantly, he is one of the most charitable, fair, kind speakers you will ever encounter. And so he wrote a book with Robbie George and Sharif Gurgis on, it's called What is Marriage? It was an essay published in Harvard Law Review, and it was before the Supreme Court ruling. Um, and it's the best book. It's And it, it's so good because usually when we talk about gay marriage, the way people talk about it, is they talk about it from a biblical perspective. And that's just the wrong way to have the conversation in our culture because people who tend, not all of them, people who tend to support gay marriage tend not to be Bible-believing people. Right. And so you can't use a source that someone doesn't recognize as authoritative. And the, the analogy I use in my life is if a Muslim says, is, is trying to get me to behave a certain way and says, and if they say, like for instance, Muslims don't drink alcohol. And so if they said, uh, you know, Father Brian, you shouldn't drink alcohol. And I'm like, well, why not? And they say, well, the Quran says you shouldn't. Like, newsflash, I don't care what the Quran says. Correct. Or at least it's not authoritative for me. I do care what it says, but it's not authoritative. It's not an authority in my life. I don't look to the Quran for guidance on how to live. So we do the same thing when we talk about gay marriage and we quote the Bible to people who don't care about the Bible. Totally. You don't, you know, and I could quote the Bible if we wanted to do that on that topic, but that's not the point. So anyway, Ryan Anderson did that. Bless you. Thanks. Gazoon tight. Yeah. It's smoky, rough in smoky. the middle of a podcast getting seized. Hey, man, you're just Sorry. human. That's right. You're just, you're That's just right. real. But anyway, he makes it. But what I love about it is he's, uh, he, they made the best argument. And basically, it's Aristotle's argument. We don't have to get into that. But then what happened with Amazon, if you don't know this, he's written a number of other books. He and Sharif Gurgis wrote a fascinating one after Obergefell passed, which is the gay marriage ruling, called Debating... Um, Oh, it's called debating gay marriage and religious freedom, and it's a debate with a scholar who's an advocate for gay rights, John Trevorino, I want to say. But anyway, they debated, and they, they he wrote a chapter, then the two of them wrote a chapter in response, and they went back and forth, and it's fascinating read, super well done, um, and it's kind of nice because it's a it's a debate style but written. And then lastly, I'm talking way too much about this, but the last thing is, so uh, Anderson's written a number of other books, but he wrote a book called When Harry Became Sally, which, you know, I don't don't want to take people's sufferings and make light of them when they they have gender dysphoria, but it's kind of a funny title. Yeah, I prefer that title over the other one, Debating 
I think the most boring <laughs> title of all time. <laughs> Debating gay marriage. Well, at least it tells you what the book's about. Yeah, I true. mean, it, it's very descriptive. It tells you exactly what that book is. I'm still more intrigued yeah. by when yeah. Harry became Sally. Yeah, I mean, you might think it's about the movie, right? If you saw it. If, That's uh, right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that book, Amazon pulled it. And the real problem, I, I mean, I have lots of problems with this. But um, Ryan Anderson, the, the people who pulled that book, I guarantee you have never read it. Right. They just don't like another person's position. And so they're telling, they're, they're not arguing with Ryan Anderson. They're just telling him he's not allowed to speak. Which is, that is a, anyone who, who cares about truth and believes that it's important for us to have a dialogue in our country. If you are someone who is a pro LGBTQ kind of advocate, you should be outraged that that book was pulled from Amazon. Um, and, why, and why would you say that? Because, because the danger is that whoever what we're turning to is this might makes right culture. Right. So whoever has the power gets to decide who is allowed to speak. Yeah. And so Jeff Bezos, you know, and his whoever's running things over there, they don't like the message that maybe gender uh, is connected to biological sex. Totally. And that that's something that is that is in some way f- fixed in our nature. And you have a very intelligent voice who's making that argument, and they don't argue against him. They just they pull just it. pulled him. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a real problem. It's a that, real and it's, and it's a sign that you don't have a good argument, right? Like th- this is this is disastrous for any society if you just tell people they're not allowed to speak. That's absolutely disastrous, and that's why, by the way, for us as Christians, um, there's there you know th- there are limits to things. I think that that we have limits on speech, and I don't. We're not. We're never going to get to our topic today, but which I think it's fine. We we debated uh, at this point. I think we roll with this because I, I think we're onto something here. But we were going to talk about temptation. We had debated kind of the censorship topic. Yeah. And now now I think it just naturally is led there. And I have several questions to ask you. But where were you going to go with that? Well, I think so. Free spin, speech is not absolute, and this is something that people sometimes will they'll make the you don't have you don't have the right to say anything you want anytime, and I think that is correct. Right, like the the most obvious example that's frequently used is, you don't have a right to run into a movie theater and scream fire when there's no fire. Right, <laughs> like fair. there there are there are certain limits to free speech, but I think basically those limits should be very very. Um, we we should allow a wide berth of free speech, and even if if you don't like someone's argument, and if you think it's dangerous where something's going, because I there's. All of us have people we disagree with where we think their argument is dangerous. But the answer then is not to tell them they're not allowed to speak. The answer is to show the, to, to beat them in discussing why that's wrong. Right. And it's, and it's to convince people, right. That, that there's a better answer. Totally. I think, you know, that's been a topic that we've talked about several times now on the podcast, but we've lost the ability to go into a dialogue and both focus on getting better. Right. And not be not just going into win, but to hear the other person's argument. And maybe it is better than yours, but being able to take that and sharpen your sword and run with that. And instead, now it's gotten to a place of like a cop out where it's like, okay, I have the power. And yep. now I'm just, now you're done. I don't want to hear you. I'm out. Yep. And, it, and, and losing that ability, I think it is a very scary thing. And every which way you turn right now, they're closing apps, they're closing. Um, they're pulling books off Amazon. They're doing all these certain things that just totally dictate what you perceive as reality, right? Like there's that whole documentary, I forget the name of it on Netflix where social dilemma or whatever it's called about Facebook Facebook and like, it's, it, it is what, I mean, it's nothing new. Um, I think when you watch, it's kind of, it's definitely, you walk away a little bit more scared about everything. Um, I need more fear in my life. Yeah. I don't know if I would totally <laughs> recommend it, but the, the gist is it is real though, that based on your little out, you're, you're basically just an algorithm mm-hmm. and you're going to be fed what you like, what's going to get them more, you know, people to subscribe and view and, and be yeah. hooked. Um, but not being able to even have that conversation. And I think though, going back really quick, the one thing that's so interesting about Catholicism and Christianity, whatever you want to say about it. But, and again, I just, I think you and I both love Shapiro for 
to a certain degree <clears throat> on a lot of things. I'm sure. obsessed with the man, but <laughs> um, he always says he has that line where you know truth doesn't care about your feelings. Yeah, or facts don't care facts about your don't care about your feelings. Yeah. Yes, and um, I think it is so true. But the the thing about the truth of the church is it's unfortunate that the church always and I I've been victim of that. You and I have talked about that. And, we could dive into the specifics. I'm happy to talk about it, but the church works great until it doesn't for me. Right. So like if all of a sudden I agree, I agree, I agree. And then my child turns out to have homosexual attraction or, um, you know, I didn't agree. I, and I still, that's another topic that I eventually want to get to with you, but like the ability, like, um, IVF or trying to, uh, when it comes to having a baby and yeah. and where science is at, and some of those questions that I just need help explaining. But then, it's unfortunate that people can just go straight to like, well, then the church isn't for me, and I'm out. Yeah, uh, I think that's a sign. Usually, there's a, when people behave that way, and, and not to cast judgment on them, but there's a sign that they've misunderstood what it means to be a Christian from the beginning. Totally, because being a Christian does it doesn't mean that you if you if you live your life that way. There's there's a tension here because um, you you're not supposed to turn off your brain, right? right. One, one caricature of, of Christians is like you become a Christian, you just don't think anymore. Stop thinking for yourself. Just let somebody else do that. And the irony, of course, with that is that so many people who use that critique, they do it themselves. They just do it with the secular media or with the cult of the expert or whatever it might be. They yep. just they're following the the wide um, just kind of the cultural melee they're just going with it yep um so but in the church there what's supposed to happen is if jesus is lord and i'm not um it's gonna he's gonna call me to surrender some things that i would rather not surrender totally and that's part of being a christian and in fact if you never do that i would i would go so far to say if you never do that you probably never were a christian because, because all of us have things that we need to be challenged on, and God does that to us because he loves us. But the um, what I was going to say is like uh, the way that knowledge works, these are some deep waters. Yeah. But the way that we, the way that knowledge works is we use something more certain to help us to think through something that's less certain. Um, so an easy example would just be if you're measuring something, right? Like I don't know how big my living room is. Like how many square feet is in, are in this house, you know? Right, right. Um, and is that should that be priced at four dollars a square foot? Or <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. But anyway, the way so so I don't know that. And so what do we do? Is we take something that we're more certain about, and I get like a ruler or a um, uh, tape, you know, measuring tape. Yep. Or if I'm really fancy, one of those electronic ones. A little laser. Yeah, a little laser. Yep. And then and so we use something that we have that we we have more certainty about, and we use that to measure something we're less certain about, right? And we do that generally with a lot of things when we want to know something. And so in philosophy and science, you know, like in science, you can imagine there's plenty of principles where it's like, we know that, you know, a proton behaves in this way. And so we're going to like, look at how it acts in this environment to understand an environment that we don't understand. Okay. So all this begs the question though. And here's one of the things that happens with religion is what we get to is we end up saying, I'm going to be the measure for God. Mm. And so I'm certain about myself and God has to meet my, he has to measure up to what I want to see. And and, and part of that is actually true because we have to like, like if God didn't do something that spoke to us and resonated with us in our uh, ability to perceive truth, then there's no way we can know anything about him. He has to be able to speak our language. If someone comes and speaks to me in a language I don't understand, I I have no capacity to to kind of make a judgment and to to trust it or not. Yep. So with religion though, the danger becomes I measure God instead of I am the one who is measured by him. And in RCIA, this is a very complex topic, but it's one of the things I try to get to with our folks in RCIA is that <clears throat> people try to use human knowledge to judge things about God. Yep. And in, in philosophy, there's certain baseline things that you're more, you can't go past. 
St. Thomas Aquinas calls these first principles. So if someone says, um, so, so there's in philosophy we have what's called the principle of non-contradiction. And what it means is something cannot be both true and not true in the same way at the same time. So I can't say this desk is flat and it's not flat at the same time in the same manner. Yep. Like that that's just the principle of non-contradiction. So if if I if I said that or if you said that to me, you said, well, you know, something can't both be true and not be true at the same time in the same way. And I said, prove it. Yeah. You can't prove that. Right. Like, that's where you walk away and you say, have a nice day. Totally. Because there's certain baseline things. So I'm all over the place today. But God, what, what Christians eventually get to is that God is e- even more than this, but God is something of a first principle where it's not that we can, there's things that can get behind him to that somehow validate that he is true. He is the bedrock of all truth itself. And St. Thomas and Aristotle and others, uh, St. Augustine, they would get to this point where they understood that it's actually not that I can use my measuring tape to measure God. Yep. It's like, instead, it's, it's kind of, it would kind of be like being like, um, God is more like, in this analogy, it would be like, God is, is extension himself, something that, that exists in a physical thing, which he's not physical. But the measuring tape is actually justified by the idea of extension, that things exist in, and you can measure them. So, I don't know how the heck we got on this. <laughs> do you have any idea how we got on this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I mean, it, it had to do with like when you start to define Christian life works for you until it doesn't. Yeah. And so people also oh, people want to because we're talking about this transgender thing, and so right. people say, "Well, now I'm out." Yeah. And the the point is that then you're you become God. Right. So that was a long way to say that. I think, well, <laughs> and now I just have to say this. I think one of the best, and I could say this because it was my own personal confession with you, but without getting into too many details there, I think it was so interesting. Something had happened, and, and I'll never forget what you had said to me where it was like, it wasn't, the issue wasn't what I did. The real issue came down to because I wasn't trusting God. Yeah. And I, that like, totally crushed me when that happened. Cause it was like in my mind, I was like, and I think it's interesting, especially being new to the faith and, and living a life where literally before confirmation, none of the things that were venial mortal sins right. at all, were, they weren't an issue. Right. Like, in fact, you know, it was very commonplace, well accepted, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you look at, you name the topic, Planned Parenthood, to this, to that. Yeah. All that stuff's, it's almost like it's hard to be against it to now all of a sudden you're starting to, to view life in a different lens of a Christian lens and really trying to just kind of open up to the concept of trusting God and, and how does that work? And that's when everything's great and smooth sailings, but the minute it gets choppy, then all of a sudden people start to bow out and, and look. And I, <clears throat> you and I kind of started to talk about that with, I'm in the middle of a book right now that is so mainstream um, but it's but you all, can't say the title. I can't. It has it has a curse word in it. It does. The subtle art of not giving a squirrel. And, yeah. <laughs> but it it's so interesting because when you're when you're reading it, it truly is all the Christian teachings. Right. Yet I feel like people read that and they're like, Mark Manson is the most brilliant man ever and super hipster and this and that. When really he's teaching everything that the church has. But the minute you put something with faith in it, all of a sudden it starts to get censored. It all of a sudden has a negative perspective or perception. Yeah. And people instantly go to like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want your juju. I don't want that blah, blah, blah. And it instantly gets shut out. Yeah. But I think going back to circling back to the whole thing, it is a major issue to only be fed one thing over and over again based on what the government and literally like you can't get on social media now or like to your point you walked in you said i, I don't want to buy from amazon anymore yeah. and it's like what is the right approach to what kind do you of, think about that what's that what do you think about that 
about which part the Amazon well, thing. Finish your thought, and then I'll come back to that. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess that's kind of my question. Is like sometimes I, I guess I struggle with like you know the invisible hand scenario at like Adam Smith invisible yeah. hand of business where you know the markets will work itself out and people if you don't like Nike because they're doing something in China or your Home Depot and they're chopping right. down the wood the Amazon then don't buy from them and you can have that stance and I think we saw a lot of that with the protests and sports especially during COVID you mean and with all, the way like the ratings all went down the ratings like? went down and you know players were wearing social justice on their back and and all those kind of things and to me there's certain things where I'm like Man, that's a big task to try to change so many minds by your own individual action um, that sometimes it's, it's just daunting. And I'm like, okay, great. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. It's kind of like the whole get out there and vote. Every vote matters. And you're like, there's 65 million votes. Like, yeah. But in the end, sure enough, it, it really did matter. Right. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just an interesting... It, it seems like when you're so outnumbered, it's like, what are you supposed to do? I kind of admire who was it, Australia, that pulled Facebook or whatever they did in the last couple of days. But didn't they, didn't Facebook win now? I, I don't know. If I, and I just saw that yesterday and I didn't really read it, but I at least appreciate the stance. Yeah. Um, and even, <laughs> it's kind of sad when we live in the world where it's like the, the opposite extreme is almost impressive. Um, I think it was out of, where was that? Switzerland where they're, <sighs> I showed you the cartoon, the recent cartoon that came out. Oh yeah. And yeah, it was, yeah, that was like, it's pretty absurd. That was absurd. <clears throat> it's, it's actually ridiculous, but it's kind of the exact opposite of what's happening. And if you guys don't know it, look it up. There's a cartoon out there and literally a cartoon designed for four and eight year olds for two, eight year olds, um, uh, about owning who you are in your body. And it was kind of their response to the transgender movement right. and kind of just picking who you want to be. Um, I'll let you guys dive into that. But when I, I kind of appreciate it when I saw it because I was like, I'm being fed so much all the time that I can't even like get the tr- – I can't even determine my own truth. Like I can't even determine like hear both arguments anymore. Right. It's I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I mean I think – so I, I mean I – there's so much there. I think I do like one of the best arguments I feel like I've heard for like kind of free markets and there's, there's a deeper, we could do a deeper podcast on um, some of the critiques about free market systems that I think oftentimes people don't think very deeply about. And there are some good critiques out there. There's a, there's a Catholic at the university of Chicago named Bill Kavanaugh who wrote a book called being consumed about this. And it's, you know, I'm, I, I think free market systems are the best thing that's out there. Um, I, I, I think they just absolutely are. I think there's a lot to be said for them. I think there's problems too. But I but um, I think, uh, I forget where I was going with this, but the we need to have a conversation. And yeah. oh, that's one of, one of the best arguments for free markets, I think, is that instead of one person making a decision of, oh, like the market's going this way, and like Woodrow Wilson, I guess, he was very big on experts and he was kind of like, let's get the best experts in the country in here and they'll just run our lives and they're the experts. Well, with free markets, what happens, right, is you have billions of people making all of them making their own free decisions, which is, which is impossible to replicate. And so it's, it's so responsive totally to different things. Um, but I, 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 one of the interesting things right now, I think like with, with Amazon, I mean, I did toss that out of like, I was, I'm so upset that An- that they pulled Ryan Anderson's book. That really bothers me. Um, and and one of the things that happens, right, is like, um, whenever God is not in a culture, something has to replace that space. Yeah. Something will always step into the space. And uh, right now, you know, there's a lot of these people have have incredible power and they're they're very critical of bishops and popes and i'm like you have more power than any bishop in the world like totally um but i think i do think there's something about like well if we don't like it let's start a company out there that doesn't do that right 
You know, and I think, and we've seen this with social media, you know, that there's different companies out there trying to say, we don't like that there's liberal kind of people who think they know everything. I mean, the blind spots there I think are incredible. I think all of us, there's, there's just a fine line in life of like, I am very convicted about certain things. Right. And I have probably way too many opinions about just about everything. But if you, if you really just think you know everything, you can't really have a conversation with someone. Totally. You can't do it because they have nothing to offer you. And I think there, I do think there's something right now where there's a lot of people in our country where they just know everything. Yep. They're the enlightened post-Christian kind of elite. And uh, they, it, it just drives me crazy. So we, we, I think, you know, for me, I'm like, I would love to get off Amazon. I was driving into work today and I'm like, okay, <clears throat> I get, I'll get like, like I'll just get all my books through like Barnes and Noble or something. Um, and I'll have to wait longer, you know, yeah. instead of getting a book tomorrow to two days later, it's going to take 10 days. Um, and then I'm like all the stuff they have. I'm like, okay, what other apps do I need? I'm like, I was kind of like, well, maybe target has an app. And I was like, well, you know, target has some really bad like <laughs> yeah. corporate stuff they bought into. Yeah. And like, it's hard to live in the world. You can't have this purity test where you have eight companies you'll shop at and not others. That's really difficult to do. The Anderson thing though bothered me enough that I'm really thinking about getting off Amazon. Well, and I think that's the, that's the scariest part right now is, and I don't remember the app. I just remember one day I got on Facebook and <laughs> like, gosh, I need, I, I need to just delete social media. I, I really do. But it's like I, you basically get on and it's either all, you know, pro plant parenthood fundraise this, this and that, or on that day that I got on there, it was effective two weeks from now I'm deleting Facebook and I'm going to join. And I forget the name of that conservative, uh, parlor parlor. Yeah. But then all of a sudden they get squashed by the big guys. iTunes won't hold their, their yeah. app and all that stuff. So like it's, it's kind of one of those things that's unfortunate right now of, how can you really build something, you know, you, you say, okay, I'm going to get rid of Amazon. And then all of a sudden you look around, you're like, all right, cool. I'm going to go to uh target. And they you're like, gosh, well, that's just as bad. Then I'm going to go to this and I'm going to go to yeah. that. And then it's like, well, I'm only going to support the local business. Well, they're shut down right now. Like, all, <laughs> it's right. like, what are you supposed to do? Like, you're so outnumbered. Like, it's like you literally have to leave the U S in order to try to find, like, hopefully find an alternative. Um, well, I do think, I think one of the most important points on this issue, though, is for us as Christians, we're oftentimes trying to find like a solution to the big picture. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's probably important, too. But I would submit that actually the more important piece is not about like, how do I find a solution that's like the, there's a different Amazon out there yeah. that's, you know, that allows honest, open dialogue. And we're not going to just pull somebody because we don't like what they say. Um, but as a Christian, the more important thing is what's going on in my soul. Right. And so I don't, God hasn't given me the, the responsibility that I have to fix everything. Right. More importantly though, I was just like, I don't want to participate in that. Yeah. And, and again, you, people could disagree with me here. They'd say, okay, lighten up. Like I, when I was a focused missionary, I remember everybody was like, don't go to Starbucks. They support abortion. And for a while I stopped going to Starbucks and at a certain point, I was like, everyone supports abortion. And I'm like, it's so remote. It's such a remote participation in abortion. And the church teaches this, by the way, that um, if you wanted to, to live this life where you never, ever had any connection to anything evil that has ever happened, you'll never live a real life. Totally. And actually, you would you would neglect a ton of your duties. So there's, there's a distinction between things of like, um, if, I go, if I go to Starbucks and they're donating Planned Parenthood, but I just... I'm just buying a cup of coffee. I'm not really supporting abortion there. There's a big difference between that and donating to Planned Parenthood. Right. And and so this the thing with Amazon might fall in that category of the former. Where it's like you don't you know, if you shop at Amazon, you're not sponsoring censorship. You're certainly not doing that. There's nothing wrong with shopping at Amazon. But but there is something of like, where's your line? Totally. Where's your line? And I think each of us has to prayerfully kind of just think about that of like is convenience my God? You know, will I, 
if a company can make something convenient for me, then I'll just go along with whatever they want and I'll do whatever they ask because it's convenient and life is about comfort. Yep. And I think that's, that's one of the problems today we're having. There's, there's a couple big things. One is we're addicted to comfort as a country. Yeah. We, we will sell our souls for comfort. The second thing out there, and I think this gets to the point with Ryan Anderson and the conversation, is that people don't want to do the hard work of learning anymore. Totally. You know, it's like the, so the transgenderism debate. Like Ryan, again, Ryan Anderson is a very intelligent, articulate, very kind man. Um, never says anything hateful ever. Uh, but people don't want to do the hard work. They just want their conclusion to win, and they don't want to listen to him. And we need to we need to grow like some conviction that truth in a in a human life and in a life of a society is worth suffering for. You gotta have courage. You gotta be willing to suffer for things that matter. And part of that is like in Catholics out there, if you're listening to this or anybody who's listening to this, you gotta read a book. Right. I know you love hearing that. <laughs> I have eight books. I do my audio books. You do. That's yeah. you know what? That's great. That's yeah. that's a good form of it. You know, but we we've gotta get beyond this. I only have a, a tension span that's two minutes and you know, that's it. That's all I can hack. It's like, we need, we need more and more men and women who are doing their homework. When I feel like <clears throat> the, the big thing you said there though, is like not so much what everyone else is doing. And it's not your responsibility to fix all them, but the Christian life really is going back to yourself yeah. and, and what you're doing and not focusing. I feel like oftentimes and I'm not, <laughs> speaking of myself here, but focus so much on what everyone else is doing, but not really realizing my own self-awareness and where I'm at and, and trying to better myself yeah. in those things. Cause for every time I call out someone else, I'm sure I, it's like, there's that saying, I forget what it is, but what you see in someone else is really a reflection of you. Yeah. And like what bugs you about somebody else is it's getting, you notice it because it's more, more or less you're, you're doing it as well. Right. And I think that's a true fact of like, Okay, spend more time diving into the reading, doing the work and all that kind of stuff. That What I think is so fascinating about the Christian life, though, it's almost like when you feel so confident about something, it's like you want to give someone the freedom to go, all right, fine, go go do something else. Don't yeah. censor someone to not give them a choice. But the thing that's so interesting about the Christian life is it's kind of like, okay, you don't want to hear the truth of the church, what the truth that the church says. That's fine. Go out, scuff up your knees, do what you're going to do. Sure enough, yep. I'll see you soon enough. You'll come back. I mean, that was my story of like hundred percent. Exactly. Right. So there, there is a, a truth in that. I think it's just unfortunate where it's so much right now is everyone to your point thinks they know way too much and no one is no longer the second, third, fourth smartest person in the room. It is like right. my way or the no way. Yeah. And Absolutely. you know, it's, I think that's one of the most brilliant things ever is trying to be, never be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. What do you not know that's going to bring you to that level? And if you I can like focus that. on that, it will then enable you to sharpen your sword and have those conversations and change your mind. I mean, think about that's the problem with the cancel culture now of somebody says something, let's say it's stupid, you know, mm -hmm. but they don't ever get a chance to learn from it, to ever change, to ever any of that kind of stuff. All of a sudden it's like, oh, you're dead to me. You're, it's over. Right. I'm pulling your book from Amazon. I'm doing this. You're no longer on this TV show, this and that, <laughs> that now nobody has a chance to ever learn and actually like address their mistakes. Yeah. So you have to be perfect all yeah. the time. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's cliche, but it, I mean, this is like the other figure out there that is someone we've talked about before is Jordan Peterson. Yeah. And, you know, again, Jordan Peterson, like, I forget who I was talking Oh, I was talking to Father Brian Duggan. I always forget Duggan or Dugan. He's a priest from uh, Vancouver who's in Denver right now. Very smart guy, uh, psychologist. And he was talking, he, he had a more favorable reading of Jordan Peterson's biblical commentary than I would. Um, the Genesis but, stuff? Yeah, that's a whole yeah. other topic. But anyway, but one of the things I love Jordan Peterson gets, and, it's, and again, this isn't just Jordan Peterson. This is Aristotle. This is the great tradition of Western civilization, which is what is more important than what it, you do outside of yourself is who you become. Mm -hmm. Who you are is more important than what you do. 
And so <clears throat> one of his rules for life he has in that book, 12 Rules for Life, is clean your room. Yep. Which I need to do. <laughs> but, but he's like, but I love what he says because he's like, and it, it touches on that thing we said about Chesterton in one of the podcasts, you know, where Chesterton, when they asked him what's wrong with the world, and he said, I am. In his essay. Yeah. Right. And, and today there's so much self-righteousness. There's such quick kind of jumping to condemn others. Yep. And I don't respect anyone like that. They might be right even, you know, like. Sometimes we need to call other things out, but but someone who's always calling out other people, I never respect those kinds of people. Totally. The people I respect are the people who are quick to condemn themselves. Yep. And not in a in a self hatred kind of way, but they have humility, right? Yep. They, and they're yep. like, they're quick to say, "Gosh, I've made so many mistakes in my life. Um, I've said so many dumb things. I have I've not been the man that I'm supposed to be." And they're quick to excuse others. Totally. That's the kind of person I want to be, you know, it's like, and someone on the other side, it's hard to do this, but when I really disagree with someone, we need to practice this. Yeah. Christians out there, we need to practice this, even on things that we feel really, really strongly about. Like the abortion is the most obvious example, but there's tons of them. We need to learn to say, how can I see what's good in this person? Totally. And, and, and of course you can go to the other extreme, blah, 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 blah. Of like you can become a doormat and just never call anything out and that's not okay. But we've got to, we've got to become men and women of maturity who say, uh, "I listen to other people, I uh, I look for the good in them, and I I will challenge them when I need to." And I, you know who the master of this is in my book is uh, ABC Archbishop Chaput. Really, I have never ever seen someone do it. As with such wisdom and consistency and charity as him. And that's, I always just say back when he was the Archbishop of Denver, that after he went to Philly, I could, he's dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> you're out. Yeah, by the way, if you're in Philadelphia, I kind of have a grudge with you. You stole, totally. My, you stole my dad. You're all canceled. My, my bishop dad. But anyway, um, Shappy was, I, I think you can find a number of bishops who are just hardline conservative and they'll always say something true and they'll always call people out. And then you have a bunch of people, of bishops, who are like always kind and compassionate, and they'll always look for the good. Um, Chapu's the only one I've ever seen who holds those two together. A blend. And who, and who does it so marvelous. And I know there are others out there. There, there are other bishops who do that. But Chapu is like the kindest, most compassionate person. And when he, and when he needed to stand up for something that mattered, whew, he... You did not want to be fighting against him because he was a tenacious defender of truth. I think the abortion one, again, we've we've talked about that, but using this example of the censorship or the cancel aspect of it, my story and my kind of changing of thought when it came to abortion, and yeah. I, I always have that like contrast of it, of like I truly didn't know better and was totally living a different life, this and that, never once did I have an ill will of, you know, I think an argument that's out there, and you always talk about this is, and, and piggyback on what you're saying, in addition to all those qualities, I think there's that patience in the long game of, of walking with somebody and not hitting them out the gate so hard. Because uh, you always hear that with abortion, it's like, and we've said this a million times now, but <clears throat> I could have gone the path of canceling the thought of anyone that said, oh, really? You're a new abortion. You want to rip the limbs off of unborn children? Yeah. And then I could have not the best line. I could have walked away and been like, oh, I'm totally I'm totally pro, you know, like I'm pro choice, blah, blah, blah. Like they're crazy, this and that. Uh -huh. And luckily, and, you know, you are kind of my ABC chap you of that of that aspect of being able to just slowly. I, Stop. Why, I totally Stop. I hate doing this, but it's so true. <laughs> Of being able to slow, and you see in RCA all the time when you slowly walk with people, understand, you know, you feel the compassion when you're talking to you and you hear the other side and the truth behind it. And all of a sudden it's like, how could I have ever thought otherwise? But then now I'm on the, I'm that, so now I'm there. That's part of my journey. And you always say this too of saying stupid things and trying it over and over again. I know where I personally stand on the abortion topic, but I am not good yet at defending it. Yeah. I could hear you say it a million times. I need to hear it a million and one times. 
And until I keep practicing it and having those conversations and walk away being like, damn it, I totally butchered that. But if I don't have the ability to butcher that over and over again and I get canceled or they start pulling all my quotes and all this kind of stuff to then learn from it and finally get to that point of like you have that, and I'm sure Shap, you did of that confidence because you say it all the time. You've had that conversation so many times. And I still feel like I get it wrong. Right. And, and as the, the guy just watching in the fourth pew, you're like, dude, that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. But we're no longer in that place. I think that's the, the bigger issue with the censorship topic. We, we are being forced into kind of what we can hear, hear, say, and do. And then I, I think it, the scary part to me thinking about it is like some of these priests that fit the agenda, you know, and maybe they have, and we've talked about it with like some of these bishops and blah, 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 blah. But um, they have the best intention of being like, okay, if I say this thing, it will get me into the door that will have the end game of converting all the souls. Right. But that's, it's unfortunate that that's the part of life that we're in now where you kind of have to sell a little bit yeah. in order to hopefully get to that point. Otherwise, you're not playing within the rules of Amazon and whoever other big box dealer right. to now you've sold your soul in that in that aspect. There is no shortcut to wisdom. It's so hard because I think on one level, you have to do that. Like You have to, you have to live in the world. You have to be in conversation with people. And it's just, but it's tough to know where's the line. And like an example I think of is, uh, I think it's Matthew 10, when John the Baptist is beheaded. Um, I always think of this when this reading comes up. Let's see. Um, Not Matthew 10. I'll try to find it. But what happens, right, is like... Here it is, 14, Matthew 14. Um, So when John the Baptist is beheaded, uh, I always think, so Herod clearly doesn't want to kill John the Baptist. And so Herod's like, he's, uh, what's happened, right, is that uh, Herod has married his brother's wife. And John the Baptist is like, calls him out. He's like, you can't do that. That's adultery. Um, And so John the Baptist is in prison and Herod has him locked up, but he doesn't want to kill him because he knows he's a righteous man. Yeah. And so Herod, and so this is where it gets tricky for us. Herod wants to do the right thing. Like he's, he's made some bad decisions. He's sinned against the uh, covenant of marriage. He's sinned against God. Uh, and so what happens though, is he throws that party. You remember what happens in this one? No. So Herodias, it just, my mom always says, why does the Bible pick these names just to confuse you? Totally. And it does feel that way. It's like Herod, who's married to Herodias, yeah, of yeah. course, right? Um, but anyway, so Herodias's daughter comes out, and there's this big party, and she does a dance, which would have been a seductive kind of we're – not, we're not talking about like polka here. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and, and so she does dance, and it pleases all the guests. And the thing is – and so Herod makes this promise – and he says, I'll give you anything you want, even up to half of my kingdom, anything you want. And the girl goes to her mother and says, what should I ask for? And Herodias is angry because John the Baptist is calling them out for their sin. And she says, ask for the head of John the Baptist on the platter. And the lesson here, I think, is my mind jumped to this because what happens is they, they ask for it. And Herod doesn't want to do it. He knows it's wrong. He's like, I'm going to kill, and think about this. I'm going to kill a righteous man. But he does it, it says, because of his guests and because of the oaths he had made. And so at the end of the day, uh, Herod kills the greatest prophet that ever existed because of his vanity. Yeah. And that's, I think it's a lesson to us. And think about it. Like, we don't stand up for things sometimes. Because we don't want to look bad. We don't want to lose friendships and relationships. And, and believe me, I sympathize with that. But brothers and sisters, sometimes we've got to lose relationships. Totally. And if you've done it poorly, guess who's done it worse? This guy right here. Yep. I have, I have said so many dumb, offensive, awful things in my life. I have been a poor witness to Christ. But at the end of the day, I was trying. Totally. And it's like, and if you, and if you compromise with the world... If you, if you surround yourselves 
you may say, well, I, I would never be pro-abortion or I would never support, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the gender kind of identity politics out there. Well, if you surround yourselves in that kind of culture, you're going to get sucked in. You're yep. going to be aligned with them and you'll end up doing things you never would have you never would have dreamed you would do. And so we, we've, we just got to be careful about who we're spending our time with, how we're being influenced, who we're kind of bonding with in our lives. It's yeah. So powerful. And if you lose the ability to, to hear all sides, then all of a sudden you're wrapped up into it without even knowing. And that's the, that's the danger of the, the Amazon, Facebook effect, Twitter, all this stuff that you don't even know what's what the other, what anyone's saying at that point. It's literally what's being fed to you. All right, well, I'm going to get a Spotify account because I'm going to cancel my Amazon Prime subscription. Oh, finally. Finally get a Spotify Which, account. Regardless of what Amazon's been doing, I've been trying to convince you that because every time the little yeah. ad comes on, you're like, I don't want to spend money on Spotify. I'm like, dude, I'll pay for it. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm going to Spotify. Uh, I'm going to get my books somewhere else. I'm going to do my best not to shop at Amazon. Um, thank you guys for checking us out. Uh, enjoy your Wednesday. Learn your faith, grow in maturity, learn, fail, go out there and fail. It's okay to fail. Totally. It's okay. It's better to go out and fail than to just kind of hide from your, the world about your faith. So. And that is, we are not immune to that. Please. Again, thank you everyone who has written into us. Rant at lordsdenver.org. Uh, YouTube, Ryan, again, as always, thank you for our tech support here. Uh, but on any of those platforms and push back on us and let us know a question. We have, yeah. we have a lot of questions in the queue that we are definitely trying to get to, um, but open to all feedback. So thank you guys for all the support. Gregorian rant is a production of our lady of Lords Catholic parish. No animals were hurt <laughs> in the producing of this episode. <laughs> and we're off. Okay. See you guys next time. <laughs>